Yeah, I'm going to tell you something before we start in case you didn't know this. Uh, if uh, you get the itch this week, especially sometime in the evening after work time, to drive over to Walmart to pick up a few items on your Christmas list, uh, just pick up the biggest hammer you can hold in your hand and just smack yourself over the head with it because that's about what it feels like uh, getting in there. We were in it this week and it's craziness, is it? Now, I'm convinced. Uh, why do we do that? Bec- get into Walmarts and get into the lines and go crazy here and there. I'm convinced that really for us, Christmas is boiled down to being about the gift, the giving and the receiving. Some of you are, are givers. You really like to give gifts, right? Uh-huh. And some of you say you're givers, but your family knows otherwise. Um, some of you, you're givers. That's, you know, some of you are, are takers. You, know, you like to take, and you ask your family, and they will confirm uh, that as well. Um, and some of you, you know, you're, you're pretty good at, at both the giving uh, and the taking. But the gift dominates. It dominates. So no matter what we say sometimes about uh, Jesus being the re- reason for the season, the gift giving and receiving often dominates. You think I'm not, I'm not accurate on that? Just go ahead and start right now. What are we? What's today? The 16th? Just eliminate all the gifts from this point out. Return what you've shopped for. Don't shop for what you haven't got on your list, which is my whole list, just about. Uh, and just eliminate it all together. <gasps> no, <laughs> we couldn't do that, right? The gift dominates in the Christmas season. And somewhere along the line, we've actually said, well, the, Christ, the gift dominates because God gave the gift of his son, right? And we draw this type of spiritual connection into it. And if you're not careful, you're sometimes li- like me. Um, I, I work hard to get the Christmas story read to the kids uh, from the Bible. Um, why? So we can get to the presents <laughs> and the cinnamon rolls and on to the next type of thing. Because often the gift dominates. It dominates our thinking at, at Christmas time. Now, if you're the giver, you may feel like, but I'm giving gifts. The gifts can still dominate. And if you're the taker, well, we've got a whole list of messages we might uh, need to share with you uh, as well. The gift dominates often. And somewhere in this, we have thought that the gift, whether in the giving or the receiving, will bring us the joy that we need will bring us the joy. And yet, in the end, somehow, it doesn't get it done. You see, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Did you know that? Happiness is one thing. Joy is something quite a bit different. But the struggle about it is that they often look physically to be very similar, almost the same type of thing. When you see somebody who is happy, you might mistake that for joy. When you see somebody joyful, you might at times mistake that for just a fleeting happiness. See, they look alike, but they're very, very different. Very different. You see, happiness, let me describe it to you. This Christmas, when somebody will open something on Christmas morning, and they have wanted this and wanted this item, maybe it's the new tech thing, you know, maybe it's the new iPod or phone or whatever it may be, and they will open this with great excitement. And they might even holler once they see it for the first time. Have you seen the, the little commercial with the kid who comes in the room and he's just, he's just yelling in excitement, but you don't know what he's yelling for uh, yet. And then they turn to the wall and it's a big blow-up poster of one of his favorite players up on the wall. I don't know about you. I think the kid overplays it, you know, there. No, he's excited about it, right? And somebody will get something on that morning and yet come two days, two weeks, a month, two months down the road, it won't be there anymore. The same excitement and the joy won't be there. It'll be a task-oriented thing at best at that point 
for many, they won't even be able to find that thing anymore. You know, parents, I know you're standing in the line for the 149 uh, iPod Nano. Don't do it. Two months, they won't even know where it's at. <laughs> so, all right, don't feel guilty. That wasn't a guilt trip. That is happiness. You see, when we long for something and we long for something and we get it and then it's kind of a fleeting enjoyment of it, that's happiness. Happiness comes and happiness goes. Happiness can even be just circumstantial. Happiness comes and goes. Now, it doesn't mean it's negative and bad to experience happiness. Don't hear it that way at all. But it comes in joy. Or it comes and goes. Joy, on the other hand. There's some uh, young kid, let's say uh, one and under, right? who a parent will go out and buy a great thing at Walmart that's got Elmo and bells and whistles and sounds and lights and all kinds of stuff. And yet the kid will turn to a plastic spatula with great enjoyment day after day after day after day. They'll play with that spatula to a certain age, you know, nine-year-old playing with a spatula, then we, you know, we might want to think about that unless they're baking something nice. So difference between happiness and joy. You see, joy, in, uh, connected with joy, is that word contentment, satisfaction, that we have found within joy something that we are content with. Don't need the next big thing. If you watch TV, which you know, many of us do, you'll know the commercial right now for the Samsung phones are the next big thing is what? Is here. Yeah, you've heard the commercial. The next big thing is here. We're constantly looking for the next big thing. Happiness comes along with a slogan like that. But joy, the slogan is more of contentment. And joy brings satisfaction. And so I want to share with you a scripture this morning. If you've got your Bible, I want to take a look at it. It's found in the book of John. It's in chapter 15. So uh, if you've got your Bible, open up to John 15. And as John is talking here, these are all the words of, of Christ. I mean, he, it's actually Jesus speaking. John's recording it in the gospel. He writes it down. But Jesus is, these are actually his words, okay, spoken. And so he says this about joy. And this may be a, a verse you're familiar with. Here's what he says. In, in verse 11, he says this. I have told you this. So that, you, that, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let me read that again. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, when you read passages like this, the first thing we should think of was, was when he says, I have told you this so. Now, we want to stop right there. And what do we want to ask at that point? What did he tell us? What is he talking about here? What has he told us that would make his joy uh, complete within us? And so this morning, let's look at this passage real quick. And as we read this, I want to just stop a few different times. And I want to just kind of articulate what I think Jesus is trying to communicate with us as it tied to this, this verse, verse 15 of joy. And as you look at our candles uh, this morning, you'll see there's this interconnectedness of the candles that we have lit uh, this, this morning, we actually lit the candle of love. We talked about it last week in the message about what that love is. We'll recap in just a minute. But you're going to see how this word love, this candle here that was lit, actually plays in to the passage and the verse of joy in the candle that we'll actually light next Sunday morning. So let's read on, starting in verse 1 now of chapter 15. Same chapter we were just in, but verse 1. If you don't happen to have your Bible, we'll supply it on the screen for you. Here's what he says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while ever so, every, excuse me, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, if you remember at the time, Jesus, very, very strong agricultural community is going on here. So you had people that grew things, and then you had people that watched after animals. Huge occupations, those. And so in the Bible, it makes sense why so often Jesus uses these as metaphors and word pictures. And so it would make sense here, as he's talking to these people, they would have an understanding of what he's talking about. But we don't have to have a deep understanding of, of agriculture here to know that when he says, look, I am the vine... You know, that he's that that main vine that grows up and the father, God in heaven, is the gardener, tending the garden, looking after the garden. And here he's using this little uh, word picture that he says, you know, my father, God in heaven, he's responsible for coming along and looking at the vine and any shoots or branches off the vine that aren't bearing fruit, you know, that are kind of withering or dead, don't look good. What does he do? He prunes those. Now, some of you are, are pretty good at gardening and taking care of things. You know, Dan Kidder has a pretty amazing garden over his house. You know, I happen to live next to Neil and Farah, you know, and, and they do a pretty good job taking care of their lawn. Sometimes it's, it's not so great to live next to them because of that, because, you know, keep up with the Joneses kind of thing, I guess, goes on. But it always looks good. So some of you have some understanding of how it works. You know, you have to at some point prune and cut off, especially when something's dead or withered, growing, trying to grow out of something or now dead, hanging on to something something that's alive. So that's the picture that Jesus uses to start this passage. Remember, where is he going in this passage? He's going to the point where he tells us, I'm going to make my joy complete in you. That's where he's headed. And this is the start. He, he introduced the character. God's the gardener. He's the vine. Let's go on. Verse five, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, in that section there, he introduces this third character. You know, we are in the story. He says, you're the branches. So we have the gardener, God, And then we have Christ, the main vine. And then he says, you're the branches. You're part of this as well. He says, remain in me in that, you know, the branches growing off the vine. You're connected to me. And I, you know, I I feed you. I nourish you. I, I build into you. You're the branches. But remember what he said in the first section about the gardener coming along and pruning, cutting off anything that is withered or dead here? Well, what is he talking about cutting off? He says, you are the branches. You are us. And then in this, he says, I want to give you even further instruction. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now, have you ever seen, you know, those who are really into plants, or have you ever, like, watched a plant where the the branch actually decides to pop itself off, you know, and move somewhere else and start a plant somewhere else all on their own? I I don't think that exists, right? Um, Now, some of you that know deeply, you might have some rare uh, species of, of plant that you know about. So you just be quiet if you know that, all right? So, but for, 
the most part, it, that just doesn't happen, right? It, it doesn't happen. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's, look, remain in me and I will remain in you. We have to stay connected. If you have any hope here, we have to stay connected here. You have to stay connected to me. And I will flood my nourishment. I will flood all you need to thrive, to live, and produce fruit. I'll flood it into you if you remain in me. If we're not careful sometimes, we forget to remain in Christ. Do we not? If we're not careful, sometimes even as believers, church attenders, uh, those of us that kind of hang out and sing songs and those type of things, we forget sometimes to remain in Christ, to stay plugged into God's word, to stay plugged into his ways, to remember that he has a grace that covers over us. We forget it sometimes, right? Jesus is reminding us in this passage, as he's reminding the people he's talking to, remain in me and I will remain in you. We'll stay connected and you'll bear fruit. Any, anything that doesn't bear fruit, it says it's cut down and thrown away. What's the point Jesus is making in that? He's making the point that it's not really good for anything. That eventually, remaining in Christ, being connected with Christ eventually that produces fruit. We talked about this last week, that God has a mission and we're part of the mission. Outside of being a part of God's mission, that this is all you know, fairly meaningless to not stay on board with God and his mission. And he's saying there, that as well here and produce much fruit. Let's go on though and let's read in verse nine. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, it's interesting here that what he just says is remain in me and I'll remain in you in the in the previous passage. He talks about this connectedness in the vines and the branches. And now he actually introduces in this passage this concept of love as well. And he's saying now, not just remain in me and, and I in you, remain in my love. If you love my commands, you will, you will remain in my love just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. You see, the connectedness there as well. Jesus is saying, look, I'm connected with God. I'm connected with who he is. I'm connected with his love. Last week when we talked about the love candle, what we said was love was not God's mission on earth. It's not God's mission. God's mission is to seek and save those that are far away from him. That's his mission. But his mode of, op- of, of operation is love. It's in and through everything he does and how he operates. And therefore, that's what we do as well. We're, our desire is to, to, to share God with other people, to seek people that might be struggling, lost, seeking in life. And how do we do it? The same way God has done it, through love. And now we get a glimpse of this in this passage where it says, Jesus remained in God's love, and therefore, we need to remain in his love. And now the passage this morning that we, we talked about. I have told you this. I've told you what? Everything we just talked about. I've told you this. Why? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What's being said this morning? Jesus is trying to say to us this morning, look, if you don't stay connected with me, connected, if you don't let me feed you and nourish you and build into you through my word, if you don't look for my grace to cover over when you blow it, if you don't remain in my love and seek how to love other people, guess what? My joy cannot be complete in you. You see, he's saying this is how it works. When we, like the first candle, when we talk about faith, 
the first candle and just surrendering ourselves and saying, yes, I trust God. I don't understand it all, God. And there's some things you're going to have to reveal to me and, and teach me. But I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. And I'm going to lead, lead, lead my life, excuse me, living for you. That was our first candle, right? And when we talked about the love, or excuse me, the, the, the hope that comes with that. And the faith, you know, having that. And then we talked about love that, that we operate that way in the mode of operation of love. And this week he's saying, here's what you get because of it. You get joy. You get incredible joy in your life. I'm telling you right now, on December 25th, whatever you ask for, if you get it, you're not going to receive joy through it. I have a hope that I'll wake up and there'll be a soda stream machine in my house. You know, those kind on TV that you, you know, I'm looking forward to it. May not come, all right? But I got my son in, in church right now, so this is a very not subtle hint to him, all right? Soda stream ain't bringing me joy. It's not bringing me joy, you know? It will be refreshing to drink, so, but it won't bring joy. In fact, take Christmas out of it. Whatever you're striving for in life, whatever you're pushing for, promotion, job, raise, you know, next opportunity to get known, whatever it might be you're pushing for and striving for, it's not going to bring joy. Because Jesus has set a roadmap this morning for us in John chapter 15. He roadmap, he said, stay connected with me. Stay connected with my love. And then he goes on and he wants to share with us what this, how this plays out. After verse 11 and verse 12, pick it up. It says, my command is this. Hold on just a second. What did he just say in, uh, a little while back? He says, I have obeyed my father's command. He says in verse 10, if you obey my commands. Now, what does he say here? This is my command. Verse 12, my command is this. What is it? Love each other as I have loved you. You see, there's plenty of times in the Bible where God tells us how to live properly, where the Bible tells us things like, you know, look, don't get drunk, all right? You get, you're a mess when you go out and get drunk, all right? That's not what I want for you in life, all right? And he says, so don't get drunk. There's times in the Bible where he says that, and there's times when God teaches us how to live and says, look, don't, don't divorce. It'll ruin your family. Don't divorce. I don't want that for you. There's plenty of times where God talks about those type of things. Don't inject that into the word commands here. In the word commands in verse 10, when he says, keep my commands, he goes on just two verses later and tells us exactly what he's talking about as far as this command goes. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other. That's a concept that's kind of hard to grasp. I mean, how do you, how do you tell somebody to love somebody else? Any of you matchmakers out there? Where, you know, you've got a friend that's single and you just so want to hook them up. And so every time you meet somebody else single, you're trying to figure out if this is a, a good match and how to do it. I mean, you can match them up, right? You can send them out on a date and you can, you can even set up the date if you want. But how do you make somebody love somebody else? And yet Jesus is saying right here in this passage, he says, my command is this. Love others the way I have loved you. Love others, that's my command. What does it bring? Why is he telling us this? Because I think God knows that every single one of us, Christ knows every single one of us, we have this desire for deep joy and satisfaction in life. We have this desire for contentment in life. And Jesus knows there's only really one way we're gonna accomplish that. Remain in him. Love the way he has loved 
receive his love that he is offering to us. And when we do that, when we receive his love, when we love each other the way we have been loved, then there's joy that comes along with it. See, this season, as we close up here, if, if you've had this definition of love, or excuse me, of joy in your head that is foreign to what we've talked about this morning, then I want to encourage you, at very least, with your spouse or your family later today to sit down and just discuss it. Just discuss what is a family or what is a couple or just you individually, if you need to go before God that way, what have I really thought joy is and where is it missing in my life? And then remember the words or reread the words of John 15 today and receive once again or receive for the first time of what God really, really shows us brings joy and satisfaction in life. You know, often as a pastor, I'll have the opportunity to sit with a family when a loved one passes on, much like this week with, with uh, uh, Scott Sell's mother and uh, Jerry Sandlin, who go to church here there. Uh, his wife passed away. The funeral is actually this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And we'd love as many for you that could come out as, as uh, can. That would be great if you'd come out. Whether you know them or not, you could talk to me afterwards. I'll, I'll share with you where that's at. But many times I, I sit with families like this, and yet to sit with a family that shows they still have this trust in the Lord, they still have this contentment in who God is, you would call that some type of joy in the Lord still remains even in the midst of sadness, grief, and, and misery at times. It's an example of what Jesus is saying here. That's my joy is being made complete in you in that Joy remains, though it may not be as happy time. And so this morning, I encourage you to do just what I just said with your family, with your spouse, or even just alone, but to go before God and seek that. Because I believe that when we receive and we remain in Christ and receive the joy that he really wants to provide within us, our outlook on life and how we interpret things we deal with day in and day out look very, very different. Let me pray for you on that, and, and then we'll close out. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for one more uh, candle being lit, Lord, as all these candles, as they intermingle and they work together these themes. And Lord, I know for some this morning, what's going on in their life is, is they're just having a hard time with hope. And Lord, I pray this morning they would claim that candle of hope, that they would understand that there is a hope that you sent your son to earth your son to die for us so that we would have hope in life that whatever we've done wrong, whatever we've sinned in, Lord, we don't have to rest in that. that we don't, the guilt of that doesn't have to own us, but we can have great hope in you and your son. We thank you for that. Lord, there's some that it's just the, the faith. It's, it's surrendering. It's saying, you know, I, I understand it all. I've got it down, but I just haven't been ready to say yes to it myself and believe in it. And this morning, this might be a great opportunity for them just to surrender before you and to receive of you, to start their journey with you and their relationship with you as their Savior. Lord, for some, it's, it's the, the candle of love as we've talked about, and it's, it's the struggle has been just to allow you to love them or the struggle has been for them to love someone else. And Lord, there's hard people you put in our lives. And your word, your word doesn't necessarily make exception for that, Lord. Your, your word says love. And so, Lord, it might be that candle of love that's challenging. Or, Lord, maybe it's this morning what we talked about. It's joy. 
that we're seeking and we're striving in so many avenues, so many ways, Lord. And yet you've said, look, I'm right here all along. If you'd just plug into me, if you would be one of my branches, I will feed you, I will nourish you, I will care for you, and I will make my joy complete in you. And Lord, if that's a brand new message for anyone, or if it's a message this morning that they're saying, that is appealing, that's what I need in my life, I pray even right now, even as I'm speaking, that they would be speaking themselves to you, God, and say, God, give me this joy that's being talked about. Lord, I want to experience that, not just for today, but I want to experience that every day, going here on out. I want to remain in you. Lord, bless us today in, in whatever we do. May we be a great witness to your name. May we be reaching and be a part of your mission today and throughout this week. We pray for Jerry and Scott and their family for this afternoon. And Lord, we give that to you in your son's name. Amen.